Welcome back to The Right Heart. I'm Erin Franco, a Louisiana Southern Belle, joyful Catholic wife, and frazzled mother of three children, six and under. I'm also a blogger over at Humble Handmade, and I also write for CatholicMom.com. I am that mom in Target with three children in tow who are being naughty and loud, and I deal with the same stomach bugs and in-laws and laundry that you do. I don't have it all together, but I'm doing my best to say yes to what God wants me to do in each season of my life. So if you can relate to that, I think that we'll make fast friends, and I think you're going to love today's show. All right, so I am welcoming to the show today Lisa Schmidt. She is actually no stranger to the right heart. I had her on the podcast on episode 17 a little while back, but I am so excited to have her back with us today. Lisa, welcome. Thanks, Erin. So great to be with you again. So Lisa, I'm going to tell listeners a little bit more about you. Um, Just a little bit. You are a blogger over at thepracticingcatholic.com with Deacon Joel Schmidt, your handsome husband, (laughs) and you're no stranger to radio or podcasting. You guys do some podcasting um, that you can uh, access right there on thepracticingcatholic.com. You guys have three children, and you are a speaker, a blogger, and a writer. That's Yep, that sums it up. (laughs) So Lisa is on the right heart today to talk with us about a topic that I think all of us secretly don't even know what to do with. Our topic is rest. Resting on Sundays, getting enough rest as women, resting with our families. What does that look like? And what did God mean when he said, take Sundays off? So Lisa is here to give us her thoughts, and I have a few thoughts too. And I think that um, also with the help of one apostolic letter from JP2 that I think we both found really helpful. We will hopefully come to some good conclusions and um, kind of move forward with figuring out God's plan for rest and for um, that one day of the week that he wants us to look toward the heavens and relax in what he's given us. So Lisa, let's kind of begin today with where we met and kind of chat about our background, and I think that that will help us dive into the topic a little bit. Sure. Well, I think I first came across your name on Twitter, of all places, (laughs) and a priest who is from, I think he lives in New Orleans, um, tweeted out a blog post that you wrote about the idea of Sunday rest, taking back Sundays and um, learning to live them out like you just described. And so I clicked on it because I, um, my husband and I um, really have had a message placed on our hearts, and it actually comes to us from the time that we spent at a Benedictine monastery in Missouri um, preparing for my husband to become ordained to the permanent diaconate. We live in Des Moines, but as um, fate would have it, the Des Moines Diocese partners with Um, Conception Abbey and Seminary College in Conception, Missouri, which is about two hours south of Des Moines, and they work, the uh, the Abbey there works with the diaconate class in our diocese to train them on theological matters in order to prepare for the diaconate. And so once a month for four years, and then one week during the summer during those four years, my husband and I, and oftentimes our kids, would 
pack up and drive down to Missouri to the Abbey and um, live there and observe the culture and be immersed in the way of life in the Abbey. And as, as, as time went on, I just kept, I was so attracted to what I saw at the Abbey, what the the holy monks, the joyful monks, the pace of life, um, the focus on on order and beauty and rest. And just um, as I kept praying about it and writing about what I was experiencing, four key themes came to my heart, and they were, it was kind of like a rule of life, a compass of sorts, that I thought, okay, I can... I can't be a, I can't live a monastic life, but I can take some of these things that I see here that are really speaking to my heart and incorporate them into my domestic life, into our domestic church here at the home. And those four key things were pray, work, rest, and play. But that's what I saw those monks doing day in and day out. First and foremost, they, they spent time with the Lord. They prayed. Um, then they worked and then they rested, <laughs> and then they played. They had they made time for holy leisure in their lives. And so um, when I saw this blog post of yours that, that highlighted this idea of the importance of rest, the importance of Sunday rest, I thought, oh, i got to click on this because it was, it's a topic that's just so near and dear to my heart. Um, and, of course, you wrote beautifully about the topic, and I had meant to reach out to you right then and there, um, but I didn't. <laughs> But as fate would have it, um, I had I had a second chance to get a hold of you because we both went to we both attended the Adele gathering in South Carolina in the summer of 2015. It's and so, so when I heard that you were going, it you know it reminded me that I needed to reach out to you and and let you know how much I enjoyed your blog post and um, how I was really encouraging you to live out those those thoughts that you had so um, so well written in your blog post about your family's rule of life and how you're going to really uh, work to keep the Lord's Day holy. Yeah, it's a, you know, really that blog post, I think I love it because it's honest. And I mean, basically, and even, even after all this time since I've written it, I still feel this way. Sundays just feel like another Saturday, but we just have to pick a mass to like work with what we're doing that day um, most of the time. And, and I think that that's, it's a hard thing to say and to admit because I don't really think that's the way the Lord intended it, obviously. Um, but we have taken some little steps, uh, my husband Mike and I, to make it more of a restful day. So like one thing that we do is we say, okay, no more than one other event other than Mass. And obviously, we can talk about this, too, during the show, Lisa. But, I mean, sometimes it's um, unavoidable. You know, you've got stuff you've got to get done. You've got to do. That's the only day you can do it. Um, but I think it's more right. about having, like, the right heart about it. And and really, um, I think some of the more beautiful stuff in that post, too, were, this, were these amazing quotes from an apostolic letter from St. Pope John Paul II called Dies Domini on keeping the Lord's day holy did not even know before the day that I wrote that post that that letter existed. And it's amazing. I think every family needs to read it. Uh, absolutely. It's awesome. Yes. And I, I thank you for your honesty and, you know, allowing your vulnerability to, sh- to really show on this issue, because I also feel the same way. Um, and from my perspective, my husband is a deacon, and at the parish that he is assigned to by our bishop, 
um, liturgy is their thing. They do liturgy very, very well. And um, in, in his role as a deacon, he is um, really expected to be um, assisting on the altar um, each Sunday. And so my husband has you know, the 1030 Mass. That's his Mass every Sunday, and it's just become part of our routine. Well, when you have young kids, as you and I <laughs> both have, you know, it's... Um, you know, Sundays are, are can be tough to get your kids all ready and get out of the house and get to mass and, like you said, be and have the right heart about it all. Um, but then when you add the fact that my husband's a deacon and then he's in service to the church and then we're driving separate cars and he's staying and I'm coming home and sometimes he doesn't sit in the pew with me, you know, that whole thing. Um, there wasn't. There was just a few months ago I blurted out the <laughs> the phrase. I'm resenting Sundays. And, and then I thought, mm-hmm. oh, my God, I have fallen a long way. Like, this is not how it's supposed to be, like, that I'm resenting Sundays because of my husband's diaconal service. But so I, we're working through that, too. And um, I'm so glad that we're talking about this because then it keeps it at the front of my husband and I, you know, discussion and conversation as I prepared for this this interview with you. So we've been kind of revisiting some things and reprioritizing some things for ourselves. Yeah. And and isn't that what people talk about when they say you always have to work on your marriage? It's a, it is a lot of work. There's so much that we have to be intentional about, you know, with our children and with ourselves and with our marriage and the work of marriage so often is just saying, okay, this is a problem. Let's find time to talk about it. Let's make a decision and follow through with it, you know, and change, make a little rule of life for our family. And I love uh, that part of um, the rule of life part of the domestic church um, movement that my husband and Michael and I do, because then it really encourages you to keep up with, okay, what does our family need to be Christ-centered? You know, do we need to watch a little less TV or you know, maybe make some rules about Sundays. And, and so that's really helped us to get on the same page about, you know, things we need to be talking about. I love that. Welcome back to The Right Heart. You are listening to Aaron Franco and Lisa Schmidt today. And we are talking about Sunday rest and what that looks like and what the Lord wants it to look like for us and our families So Lisa, kind of getting back to our topic, uh, I thought it would be good to kind of go back to the basics. So what did God, what does God mean when he asks us to rest on Sunday? Right. Now, I am not a a scriptural scholar by any means, but (laughs) these are some helpful things that um, when I heard them and really pondered them, I thought, wow, that's really powerful stuff. So when you think about the third commandment, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. We can find two places in the Old Testament that it talks about the third commandment. And they're also like different theological contexts, kind of pointing to two different themes. And so the first place we see it is in Exodus chapter 20. And we are told, remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. Six days you may labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. And then it goes on to say, For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but on the seventh day he He rested. That is why the Lord has blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And so right there, it goes back to creation. And of course, in the creation story, we remember that, you know, 
and God said it was good. And so he found delight in that seventh day. And so that seventh day was about um, joy and thanksgiving and gratitude and just basking in the greatness of what life is. So for us to remember, it's about God. It's about gratitude. It's about all the life-giving things that he has given us. The second place in the Old Testament that we see the third commandment is in Deuteronomy chapter 5. And this harkens back to actually um, the slavery. So it goes on and talks about, you know, in six days you may labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, either you, your son, or your daughter, your male or female slave, your ox or donkey, or any work animal, uh, on and on and on. And then it says, remember that you too were once slaves in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a strong hand and outstretched arm. That is why the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. And so the theme of this um, reading of the third commandment is all about freedom. It's, it's how, how the slaves of Egypt were freed by God and the justification is all about freedom. So not only do we have one, the Lord's, the Lord's Day is for the Lord, for thanksgiving and gratitude, but it's also for us um, to be, um, you know, it's, it's a day of freedom. And I like what the Catechism says about, um, I'm just looking it up here, they say it's a day of protest, that Sunday should be in paragraph 2172. Um, it says, the Sabbath brings everyday work to a halt and provides a respite. It is a day of protest against the servitude of work and the worship of money. And I just love that day of protest. You know, if you look at, at Sundays that way, but then you apply it to your own life. And is, is Sunday any different than Saturday or mm-hmm. from Monday through Friday for that matter? Like, am I protesting anything on Sundays um, that I don't you know, normally engage in Monday through Saturday? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like Sundays just so often it's a pleasant surprise or it's just luck if we don't have something to do or um if if we're arrested at the end of it you know yeah and i think um then to continue on with the whole scripture discussion you know then when jesus arrives on the scene at Mm -hmm. that point in time the rabbis were really making the sabbath a list of do's and don'ts you cannot do this you cannot do this you cannot do this and then of course jesus comes on the scene and and heals a blind man and the rabbis are all upset with him, like, you can't do that on the Sabbath. And, um, but he teaches us that, you know, again, it's, it's a day for doing great acts of charity, too. It's, it is a day for rest and for silence and for celebration, but also a day for great acts of charity. And I think when, when my husband Joel and I look at our Sundays, it can quickly become a list of don'ts. You know, you shall not look at a screen, um, you know, go shopping. And, you know, it could be a list of things. And I think for us, what, what it goes back to then is that whole idea of, of the slavery, that, you know, how God freed the people from Egypt. So, um, mm-hmm. it, you know, and it was so that or this, he freed the slaves of Egypt, I should say. And so I, I think about Sundays as don't do anything that, like, I feel enslaved to do or that I feel obligated to do because of, you know, somebody else's expectations or pressures or societies, mm-hmm. you know, this is the way society is. And so I think that's how I kind of approach, we try to approach Sundays is, um, you know, for me, I don't, 
I don't want to do the soccer thing and all that on Sundays. But for some families, that would absolutely um, connotate something that's holy leisure and brings great joy to them. For me, it's no way. Point. But you know, other families that may be. So I think that that discernment is so critical for each of our families on on how we approach Sundays and, and how they stand out for our families and what we're going to individually do. Yeah, and and like you said, when we kind of went back to scripture, it's the day of rest is about I think relating back to God and taking joy in His creation and in Him and in what He's done for us and what he's given to us. And, um, it's not really about like living the demands of our faith to the full. And we can check off the list that we're a faithful family because we don't do this, this or this on Sundays. You know, it's, I think each family probably has to figure out, you know, what in good conscience and then like their best understanding and their best, like, ability (laughs) in that season of life that they can do. How can they honor, honor the Lord's day? You know, I just, there probably aren't really very many hard and fast rules then. They're yeah, just, no, um, I think outside of, you know, the Sunday obligation or mass obligation, I think that, no, you're right, that there isn't much other than what the catechism says is it's a, it should be a day of protest. And, and I think that, you know, when you look at that word protest and what that means, it's just to, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's like in dissent of, you know, so it is, it is in dissent of what the culture at large is doing. Um, you know, a lot of the consumerism and the secularism, but it is just the the moment to, um, to, to rest and refresh and to spend time with Jesus in the Eucharist and to celebrate that um, as a body of Christ. So Lisa, I have to ask you if you ever read the little house on the prairie novels, um, because it <laughs> keeps, have. it keeps coming to my head. Don't they, I feel like Sundays and at least like one of the little girls, she hates Sundays because they have to sit around and do nothing on Sunday. (laughs) Do you remember that part? I don't remember it specifically, but um, it doesn't surprise me. (laughs) Yeah, I I think I remember that about it and how, and I remember thinking how silly that was and they were taking it, you know, to extremes and I, I remember that and how they always described in such detail how they made hogshead cheese and all kinds of <laughs> foods and stuff like that. I loved those. I can't wait till I can read those to my little girl. I My, my daughter's well, only yeah, four right now, so a few more years. Have, I actually have the, the set, the whole set that I read oh, as a little really? girl. I have it my, in my possession. I got it from my mom about a year ago, and um, I am really excited to read those with my daughters as well. Son, maybe my son, I don't know, but my daughter's for sure. <laughs> but but you talk about that, that and, and that is kind of the, when you think of rest, um, you know, it's not so much to experience the absence of doing anything, like just to sit around and do nothing, but it really is the idea of experiencing the fullness of being, um, that, you, that you have the opportunity to, um, that, you're, that you're at peace, that you're at rest, um, so that you can just be rather than not just do nothing, you know, just mm-hmm. lay around. Um, but, it, and I think this, I don't know if, if we have time to get into this, but I, I love one of the things that John Paul II says um, about the culture of life. And you know, he, when he says that the culture of death is actually rooted in um, uh, an inordinate preoccupation with being efficient. So we're always working, you know, to be efficient, and that efficiency is really what gets to the heart of the opposite of at rest. 
that we always want to be doing something or yeah. that next project or um, we can't sit around. Like we need to have permission to sit around and rest. Um, but it doesn't mean that we're not doing anything. It's just as, like this fullness of being. the right heart. I'm Erin Franco and we have such the pleasure to talk to Lisa Schmidt today. We're talking about rest and Sunday rest, the Lord's Day, and what that can look like for your family and what the Lord may want it to look like for your family. And maybe there are a few things that we can all tweak there. So um, for this next part of the show, I want to ask you, Lisa, about just some practical on the ground tips for what might work for different families to honor the Lord and look to the Lord and be have that joyful right heart about this beautiful day that he built has built into our lives sure well I think like I was mentioning in the previous segment that kind of a guiding framework for my family my husband and I is to abstain from those things that that feel slavish that that push aside that or I guess it's important for us to push aside those things that we feel obliged to do. So things like shopping or meal planning or laundry, you know, things like yeah. that, that chores that I just, you know, I don't want to do um, on, an, on an average day basis. Absolutely try to remove those from, from my Sunday, um, what I'm doing on a Sunday. Um, and I don't know, you know, so like the shopping, um, it's, that's a tough thing because, um, you know, stores are open on Sunday, and I know I have a, a brother who is a manager of a of a um, of a large shopping center here in Des Moines. And so, you know, I don't want to say anything that goes against the hard work that he does, but um, I do think it's important though, to think about that as as a as an individual. And um, could you do could you do your shopping? Could you do all of that outside of a Sunday? Um, and it can get hard, but if, I think the idea is to properly plan. If you're talking as a family, like on Monday or even like late, late in the day on Sunday, like before you go to bed about your week ahead, you know, these things that we have to do, menu plan, grocery shop, those sort of things, um, get those things completed, um, you know, well before your Sunday. I think another example that has um, helped us is um, a friend, some friends of ours, family of five children live on a pretty large space so they have a lot of yard work to do on a regular basis but they don't do any of that on a Sunday they bust their tails um, especially if it all falls on a Saturday and they have like lots of different games to go to because they have five children who are all very athletic and active Um, you know sometimes it's mowing that last strip in the dark Mm -hmm. (laughs) that last strip of grass in the dark but they do what they have to do so that they don't have to do any physical labor um, on a Sunday. And another example that's come into our life by a dear friend of ours is, is that this particular family, they don't watch, they don't do any type of screen activities on Sundays. So if it's, um, you know, the Game Boy, you know, whatever they're called, the, the, the video games or even the iPads, anything like that, no screens on Sunday, unless it's a sporting event that all the family can agree on. So say the Green Bay Packers football game or whatever it is for your family. Mm-hmm. And then, um, or if it's like watching a movie that the family would enjoy together. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was a, that's a really good idea. Um, just to kind of 
you know, get away from the screens and be more intentional about the time that you're spending, the face-to-face incarnational time that you're spending with your family. And then finally, um, this is something that has been on my heart, not that I'm doing it well, but the idea that, you know, Sundays are really like, it's, it's the day to feast. It's the day to celebrate. It's a day for joy. So could you mirror your dietary patterns so that your feasting is done on Sunday? And I'm not saying you should fast Monday through Saturday, but, you know, be more mindful and more minimal maybe, and then allow the, the sweet treat to come in on Sunday. Um, That's you know, idea. I know like after mass at our parish, there's always donuts, always donuts. Yes. Um, How would our children behave in mass without donuts? Right, exactly. <laughs> like donut bribery, right? But how many how many days of the week do my children get something sweet and that donut is just another sweet treat on Sunday after Mass? But what would happen if, you know, we were really mindful about the feasting in terms of the food we eat, if we really saved that for Sunday and, and didn't have the sweet treats Monday through Saturday? Um, so that's something I'm working on is that, you know, it, it's a way to set Sunday apart is, is through, is through the table, is through the food that we serve at the table as well as the family. Oh, I love that. And that would help our waistlines too a little bit (laughs) if we, you know, waited till Sunday to kind of have a little bit of a splurge day. I love that. And that's such a simple idea. I think it teaches good, healthy eating habits in general, instead of just, I deserve chocolate every day maybe like one other day of the week, but then on Sunday, you know, you're going to get, you know, a bigger bar or, you know, a yeah. frappuccino or something. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. yeah. Um, and I think too, um, you know, that Sundays are also a day for us to stand as a witness to others. We just, um, my husband and I just came back from visiting some relatives who aren't Catholic, but yet we, uh, made a point of finding a time to go to Mass on Sunday. And, mm-hmm. it, you know, it's, it just shows the testimony about the importance of going to Mass, about Sunday, about the obligation, about the opportunity to celebrate with our Lord and to honor Him um, on His day. So, that you know, those are that's a real simple way, um, because we do have the Mass obligation, and um, what a better way to kind of highlight the importance of the Lord Day by showing those around us Okay, well, we're gonna we're gonna mark this. We're gonna set this apart by getting the mass, and especially on those vacations, and yeah. you know, when you're with in laws who may not practice the faith, those uncomfortable moments. But that's that's our call is is to be a witness to that. Yeah, and be and you know, just the way that we're a witness to, just be matter of fact about it and sweet and. Um, I know um, St. Jose Maria Escriva has a great quote. He says, don't choose mortifications that mortify others. Um, but mm. I think in this in this case, it's not you know a mortification. It's just a spiritual practice to kind of stand up and be faithful to. But to say it in a way and live it out in a way that doesn't um, make other people feel guilty, but lets the Holy Spirit kind of bite a little bit at their conscience on his own. You know, we don't try to, guilt trip them at all. We're just like, oh, well, I think we're going to 9 a.m. mass tomorrow. We found a church down the street, but we'll meet up with you guys later at the beach. Or, you know, just like a very matter of fact, a living witness is can be so powerful rather than making it a thing. You know, I've, I've just seen it done so well and so poorly. Right. <laughs> um, and, I, yes. and I think it's just my background. I used to be in PR, so I like to be 
you know, say things the best way so it will be received well. So I think I'm a little bit more attuned to that. But but I think that's something that every Christian needs to make sure that they think about sometimes is how they come across, you know. Um, I love how St. Jose Maria was very much about how you come across and being natural about your faith and not being like a weird Christian or a weird person mm-hmm. and people saying, whoa, so that's what a Christian looks like? I don't know if I'm all about that, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I love that you quote St. Jose Maria Escrivas so often, not only on your show, but with your writing too. He's He and I share a very special day. His feast day is also my birthday. So I have oh, a very, wow. um, I have a strong connection to him as well. So I appreciate that you share his good works with with your uh, readers and listeners. Oh, yeah. He's, San Jose Maria is just so, like, to the point, you know, and I I really like that. Um, I just like that, like, if I met him in person, I feel like he would just, like, tell me how it is, and then I could go work on it, and, and, you know, he doesn't, like, beat around the bush. And I like that about him. Other, you know, I know people who are much more like a St. Therese of Lisieux kind of a person, or, um, you know, who can say it a little bit more flowery, but... I like St. Jose Maria. He's great. Yep. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> so um, one thing I wanted to ask you about was, so have you ever, like kind of going along that line of, you know, how to be natural and how to not mortify others kind of a thing, like do you have any tips or just thoughts that you've had on how to say no to things whenever you're worried that other people might take offense at it or family, you know, family situations or when we should maybe make an exception. I mean, I know that those are the kind of thoughts that are probably on a lot of people's minds at this point in the show. Right. This is so awesome that you asked that question because I just read an article in the Wall Street Journal of all places about this very topic. And um, I was floored by it because it's such a simple idea but it makes so much sense. And really what the psychologist was recommending or whoever, the family practitioner or family therapist, who, whoever wrote it had some sort of, you know, background and educational um, degrees in, um, I don't know what you call it, like psychological or therapy or counseling or something like that. And they were proposing that a way to handle this issue, uh, how to say no gracefully, is to first and foremost define your values. So if that means, you know, write your family's rule of life or whatever that looks like, like define like who you are and what you stand for and what your priorities are and what's important to you in any given day. And then as people start to ask requests of you or ask of your time or ask of your service or, you know, your leadership on a particular board or something like that, you can start to discern those requests according to that rule of life or that plan that you have for yourself. And if it doesn't mesh, then you can say, um, I guess, to make this an easier way. So, for example, um, say you are a working mother and you oftentimes are asked to sit in meetings that will start to creep into your family's dinner time and time with your family. So you would set a policy that says something like, I don't, meet after 5 p.m. I don't do meetings after 5 p.m. So then when Mm. somebody asks to set a meeting with you, your response is, I don't set meetings after 5 p.m. because that's family time, dot, dot, dot. So it's like I I don't statements or I do statements rather than saying, um, 
I can't do that. You're, you're saying, I don't do that. And you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're putting your values out there for people, and people are less likely to, to get upset or to judge a value system because I think it's, you know, it's more, you're more, you're, I guess what, what this particular psychologist was saying is that you come off as being more trustworthy as someone who has the ability to set goals, is a yeah. good leader, um, and then that um, shows that, that other person that's asking that question kind of how to set goals themselves as well, herself or himself as well. So I just like that. Like, I don't, you know, I don't do that. Or um, coming from a place of this is my personal value system and I'm not going to do anything that infringes upon that in my family. Mm-hmm. But in a nice way, you know, like say right, in, right. in a nice so way. Like, but I like that. You, you know, it's part of your identity. You just are very matter of fact about it. That's really yeah. wonderful. But coming back to the Sunday resting. No, we don't. We don't do sports activities on Sunday as a family. Period. End stop. You know, it kind of it really sets it up. And so when you have a conflict where a coach wants to do this or that, or you just mm-hmm. say, you know, our our family, we don't we don't do sports on Sunday, mm-hmm. <laughs> or we don't we we go to mass every Sunday morning, and we don't we don't do any sports until after 12 o'clock or something like that, you know, mm-hmm. just to set apart, like, this is our priority for Sunday morning. Um, it's mass first, it's time with Jesus. And then we can focus on things after that commitment has been um, fulfilled. Yeah. Wonderful. These are such great ideas. I think they're, I just love how practical they are. I think a lot of people are going to be able to take something away from the show and try it out in their own uh, marriage and family. Welcome back to the show, guys. We are here with Lisa Schmidt, and we are having a rockin' conversation on how to relax and to rest, and on Sundays, some great ideas for our families and what might work for us to honor that day. So um, welcome back, Lisa. I wanted to um, finish off the show today by talking about ideas for resting in our marriage, resting with our spouses on Sundays, and also um, maybe particularly for women, but we can totally talk about ideas for men too, ways that we can rest as individuals on Sundays. Sure. Well, I have a, a story to share really quickly that I think sums sure. this up really well, or at least provides a framework for what we're talking about here. And um, this is a friend of mine, and but it really could be probably any one of us moms or even dads um, listening today, and this particular woman was sitting in a coffee shop, and as she sat there, she looked at her watch, and she realized that if she was going to make it to her son's cross-country meeting time, that she needed to leave at that very minute. Well, instead of leaving that very minute to get to her son's cross-country meet, she sat there paralyzed, and she couldn't move, and all she could oh. do was stare blankly at the brick walls in the coffee shop. She felt exhausted and empty. She missed her son's race, and she thought, what is wrong with me? Um, And she realized, you know, that a grande latte wasn't what her soul needed. But as she was recounting this story to a friend of hers who happened to be Italian by birth and (laughs) nationality, that particular Italian friend um, chided her, and not for missing the cross-country race, but she said, you Americans think mothering is all about running to everything your children are in. Take care of your heart. That is what you need to mother. 
Oh, and wow. so it goes kind of harkens back to Proverbs, Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. So I think when we talk about the idea of um, the importance of rest and holy leisure for women and moms, that is a perfect um, scene for me to just emulate that how often are we moms just racing back and forth and, and um you know, running to everything our children are in and putting our children into a million things just to keep them busy and occupied and to keep up. You know, it's like that crazy train. We're all on the crazy train, but none of us want to get off because no one's getting off. But if one or two people stepped off the crazy train, then more of us would step <laughs> off and um, and not live such a, a rat race. But, um, but that guard your heart thing. And I, um, you know, I think that that's just, that's just really critical that, um, you know, this is it's a little this is kind of a phrase just to hold out there. And when you talk about or when you look at your schedule and you discern your daily activities, and especially on Sunday, you know, think about that. You're guarding your heart and guarding your children's heart, because I think this really becomes a salvation issue if we can't teach our children how to rest and how to honor Sundays and how to honor mm-hmm. the Lord. Um, you know, I shouldn't say I think it's a salvation issue. I I'm confident that it, that it is a salvation issue that. If we don't do that well as moms and as dads, if we can't pass that on to our children, then we're really failing God and our our um, you know on our side of the contract of Him giving us this, these precious lives to entrust to to raise and give back to Him one day. So um, just you know guard your heart and guard your children's hearts and and think about that as you go about um, scheduling your days. Wow, I have never heard that verse interpreted that way. I've always taken it more of the I don't know unmarried young people guard your heart, you know, against falling in love with everybody, you know, kind of more of that way, but like a chastity thing. Yeah. 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 But I, I love that. And it's so true. And you know, it was coming to mind when you were uh, talking about making it to the, you know, all the practices and the games is, um, I think if we, if we do everything as parents, then maybe we're not teaching our children. I mean, do we want that for our children, (laughs) you know, that kind Mm -hmm. of life? And maybe we're not by taking care of ourselves, we're really passing on to, you know, that to our children, that it's okay to take care of yourself. When you grow up and have children one day, it's okay to sit down and be a reader and read books and go on dates with your husband and, you know, go to the coffee shop with friends and have girls nights. And I absolutely agree. I can already see that. Um, with my seven-year-old daughter, oh, mommy, mommy, mommy has a date with daddy tonight. Oh, she looks pretty, or you know, she'll she'll make comments. Oh, mom's going out with her friends for a cup of coffee, or so she gets it. She's noticing, and I think you're right about that. That it's just those subtle ways of passing that along um, to allow our children. Yeah, I think we're in a generation where we need permission to rest, right? Like we feel like we have to have that <laughs> we okay. Do. You know, and that's not, we don't need it. We, um, God gave us that freedom. It's, you know, the yeah. piece of freedom is, is what he gave us. So um, if we can pass that along to our children without feeling guilty about it, wow, what a gift we could give to them. You don't have to go to every practice or every game or every meet. You know, yeah. gingerbread house party for my kindergartner and <laughs> all this stuff at school. I am, I never thought when my kids hit the school years that, I would be like the, and not that I'm the anti room mother, but I just am like, oh man, they're having another Christmas thing at school where I have to go have lunch with them. Like I got to get babysitting. I got to take off this and what am I going to do? And anyway, it's, (laughs) it's just funny how, um, 
I think we do need permission sometime. And from this show, I think there's people laughing, probably listening right now, who are laughing and saying, oh, I feel so much better. Aaron, yeah, they Aaron and Lisa feel that because, way too. Yeah, yeah, they were probably holding on to some guilt. So it was good that you just released that for them. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, you know, one idea that I wanted to just share with uh, listeners for this show was just about personal rest on Sundays. I think sometimes we can be so worried about giving our families the right kind of Sunday and our children and teaching and all of that, that we kind of forget about ourselves. And so one thing a while back that I started doing on Sundays was I always take a nap if I can at all possible. I take a little nap on Sundays and I look forward to that nap so much and like a long one too. Like I don't set a a timer or anything. Um, And that's something I think I can do in my season, you know, with my kids' ages and, you know, our state of life right now. But just if there's one, even one thing that is restful, that you look forward to, that um, energizes you, you know, maybe you read a book, you don't do laundry, you do crockpot meals and paper plates on Sundays, every Sunday, or you get pizza or something, like just one thing that you can um, rely on to be easier, I think, on Sunday is a maybe a good place to start. I love it. My last kind of question, the last like maybe couple of minutes, Lisa, um, I wanted to ask about resting with our spouses. I think that's something that we all um, forget maybe to do too. Yeah. Again, another story really quick, but it's just, this for me, this just personifies exactly what, what I want to, the goal I'm lifting up for myself and my husband So there was one day not too long ago where I was doing laundry in the house. And as I passed by my front window every now and then, you know, hustle and bustle around the house to get my chores done, Mm -hmm. I noticed that there was a construction worker at my next door neighbor's house. And he was working on her driveway points and concrete or something like that. Well, then I noticed at lunchtime he took a break. And what appeared to be his wife and his young preschool-age son joined him. And they just had a little impromptu picnic on the lawn, my neighbor's front lawn, on that particular day. And I just thought, that's what a holy leisure is all about. That's what it is right there. Enjoying, you know, taking a break out of your day to spend with those you love the most. And, you know, this was what I assume was was his wife and his young son. But just to take that opportunity out of a work day and for that woman to prepare the lunch and to bring it to her husband, you know, to give him a respite of his hard labor that he was doing. But then what the cutest thing was, was the woman was expecting their second child or, you know, what I think was their second child. And she was pretty far along in her pregnancy. And as the the mother and child um, were ready to pack up and go home, the husband kisses the mom, kisses his son, and then kisses the baby, you know, the mom's womb. Oh, and it was just so sweet. So but sweet. to me, that just says, that speaks volumes about what it, what it means to live a life full of rest and holy leisure. Um, that you just, you allow yourself permission, um, you know, to, to do those fun, impromptu, celebratory things with your spouse. Um, you know, it's like with Jesus in the Eucharist, like he is waiting for you um, each and every day that we go to receive him in Holy Communion. And, you know, our spouse is like that, too. Like, they, they're just waiting for us to give ourselves fully to one another. And, um, yeah, I just I just think about that picnic and, and how can I have more picnics, quote-unquote, in my life with my husband. 
Oh, I love that. That's just, that's a beautiful story. You're full of beautiful stories today. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so great. Uh, well, we are coming up to the end of the show. I feel like I could talk about this topic for another hour, but <laughs> I think we have covered it pretty well though, Lisa. And I'm so glad you were able to come on the show again. And God bless you and your family as you keep discerning the Lord's will for you and just living faithfulness. Thanks, Erin, and good luck with your show, and God bless you as you continue to evangelize. And thank all of you who have listened today. Thanks for stopping in. It's an absolute privilege and pleasure for me to be here with you, and I'm just honored that you chose to listen in today. All right, guys, let's go forth in confidence and God's ability to write straight on even the most crooked lines of our lives. Let's ask Him to teach us and our families how to rest together and with intention and in a way that honors Him and His plan of creation for us. Until next time, God bless.